Good morning and welcome. And the Lord be with you. Grace and peace to us all in the name of Christ our Lord, who calls us to this time of worship to know his presence as we gather together, as we're proclaiming the word, as we sing his praises. It is a gift to be with you. And it's a gift to be with you again after some weeks' vacation. Thank you for your prayers. Paul and I had a wonderful time at the Outer Banks. And again, it is good to be with you in worship. Grateful to the Reverend Lil Guy for her leadership in worship last week. And again, thank you for your prayers and for your support of these ministries as we find them before us. Uh, understand, again, yesterday being the third Saturday of the month, we always share in the Ministry of Food Bank and Clothes Closet. So thank you, Jim Roberts, for these numbers in the food bank. We served 103 families, packed 138 boxes, served 357 people total. And in regard to the clothes closet, served 81 households and 300 people total. A great day of service with Magna Vista Beta volunteers and many friends and standby members filling in for regulars who were away. Uh, again, keep these ministries before us as we see listed in the bulletin supporting the food bank. And then in October, we have the opportunity as an uptown church to be a part of Oktoberfest. That will be the first Saturday in October. And then we see the Uptown Trick or Treat, which we were a part of last year. And we thank you for your support and participation in these ministries. Also, the uh, small group study, It's Good to Be Queen, which is being held Tuesday at noon in the Uptown Ministry Center. And again, the Four Sundays of Four organ concert series uh, will be held at Broad Street Church next week with Robert Chapman, Jill Gardner. So I invite... Okay, it says the 29th here, but... <laughs> this afternoon at 4 o'clock. All right. And not the 29th as listed in your bulletin. Again, Jill and Robert will be at uh, Broad Street Church this afternoon at 4 o'clock. Uh, remember, again, the support of the UMCOR Ministries in response to Hurricane Dorian. And as we gather, again, we find ourselves in the Gospel of Luke this year. So I look forward to sharing the word as is found in Luke 15. Uh, in regard to God's joy at the finding of the lost. And we all invite us to prepare to worship God together. But first, Jill wants to speak to the worship and service book. Yes, so if you don't have anything to do this afternoon, I would, again, I'd like to invite you to Broad Street Christian Church. Robert Chapman will be presenting the last concert in his longtime series called Four Sundays at Four. And I have the wonderful opportunity to be able to play a piece with him. So, you know, before heading out to dinner, we'd love to see you at Broad Street Christian and celebrate this series as well as Mr. Chapman. The middle hymn today, if you'll look in your bulletins, I just want to bring your attention to this. It is, again, out of our new supplement that we have in the pews called Worship and Song. And although it, it will be in the PowerPoint presentation that I know many of you use, I would like, just because this is a new book, I love books, to go on ahead and, and have, find this in your pew and turn, just to get yourselves ready, to um, 3033. 3033. The hymn is called God of Great and God of Small. It's a beautiful, beautiful piece. So I just wanted to go on ahead and bring your attention to that so that when we get to that moment in worship, you'll be prepared and we will be able to use our new supplement together. 
I will start the prelude, um, and because we're not using the organ during these two months while it's under renovation. Today, when I was in Waco, Texas at the Alleluia Conference in July, I met a fantastic young woman. Her name is Heather Sorensen. She and I are in contact now. Um, she's a fantastic composer, arranger, and pianist. And she wrote a project called The Prayer Project. And today's prelude I'm using from that collection, it's called Morning Prayers, but its subtitle is Prayer for New Beginnings. And I'm just so delighted that we have our young people with us today and that they are active in our worship. And so for me, that is a prayer of new beginning as we start this year, that they are, will become more and more a part of our worship together. Thank you.
call to worship. to the lost, the least, and all who long for home. God calls when we wander from the path chosen for us and waste the gifts we have been given. God calls and welcomes us back to worship this day. Let us celebrate and rejoice in God's presence forever. Let us worship God together.
I invite us to go to God as we pray our opening prayer before us. You, Lord, are the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. Thank you that you know me and call me by name. Thank you that you would search and search just for one missing sheep out of a hundred, even if it were me, and not rest until it was back in the fold. We shall not want, Lord, for we are yours, and you have given us what we need. You have given us all we need. Thank you for green pastures. Thank you for quiet waters. Thank you for refreshing my soul. Even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear. You, Lord, are our shepherd. You have called us by name, and you have searched until you have found us and fold us in your love. Amen. We share the word of God first as it comes to us from the 113th Psalm, number 834, in the back of our hymnals. We share the word responsively. We share the word in song. We will have the refrain played. The choir will lead us, and then we will join in as we sing the response. First, we pray. Lord, your gift to us each day is your word. And by your word, we are filled, satisfied, inspired. We thank you for this new day and the new opportunity to draw close to you as your word is proclaimed. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the service of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to the setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. The Lord is high above all nations, God's glory above the heavens. God raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes, with the princes of God's people. God is the This is the word of our Lord. 
And I invite our children to come forward as we share in our children's time. Come sit next to me. Hi, come on. Well, good morning, everybody, and good morning. Hi, good morning. So, what's one of your favorite things about coming to church? Um, um, yeah. Oh, that's all. That's fine. One of my favorite things about coming to church is learning new things about God. And one thing that I really, really love about God is how. He finds things that are lost. Have you ever lost something that you really, really loved? Like a favorite toy? No? Oh, man, I used to lose toys all the time. It upset me to no end. Uh, there's one time that I had a train set, and I accidentally lost it. And I cried, and I cried, and I cried. And, well, my mom and my dad were able to find it for me. And it brought me so much happiness that uh, I cried some more. Um, but in a lot of ways, this is how God is like to us. You see, he considers us his favorite thing. And when he loses us, or when we walk away from him, moreover, he cries. The Bible says the Holy Spirit cries with us. But what does God do? He doesn't stay content that it may be lost. He comes and he finds us, and then he cries again and rejoices when he does. And this is so much like how God loves you and I, and everybody that we're all his children, no matter what age we are. And so God, loving us so much, knows when we're lost and knows what it means to rejoice and cry when we're found. So let's go ahead and pray. Right? Close your eyes. Dearly Father, we thank you so much for finding the lost, seeking them out diligently and with just unbridled faithfulness and love. You truly do delight in us, Lord, and it grieves you when we do not see your face. Please help us to see you better, and help us not to be lost so you're forced to come after us. In your precious name we pray, amen. Thank you. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. <laughs> Luke 15, 1 through 10 says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes murmured, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and goes after the one which is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his family, his friends, and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who don't need no who need no repentance. Or what woman having ten silver coins, 
If she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and look in, and seek diligently until she finds it. And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin which I had lost. So I tell you, there is joy bef before the angels and God over sinners who repent. Mia, thank you for reading the gospel. I'm remembering from my childhood a particular service of worship I attended. This service of worship took place at Pleasant Grove Mennonite Church in Fort Seibert, West Virginia. I attended this service, I'm sure, in the course of a weekend visit of my grandparents on my father's side who lived near and belonged to this modest church, grandparents Scott and Bessie Mae Ritchie, who now rest in the cemetery adjacent to the church. What I remember from this service is my first experience of the hymn, The Ninety and Nine. Anyone know The Ninety and Nine? It's not in our hymnal, but it's, it's an old, old hymn. And the hymn you may know is based on the scripture just shared by Mia from the Gospel of Luke. But not only did I hear this hymn sung in this service of worship, I also saw at the same time an artistic interpretation of this hymn. You see, as the hymn was being sung in this intimate sanctuary, there was a worship leader in front in his modest plain clothes with something like a marker and a flip chart. And as we sang, he began drawing what appeared to be a backdrop of mountains with sheep and shepherds populating these mountains. We continued to sing. He continued to add a stroke here and a stroke there, filling in this work of art. Then as we neared the concluding lines of the hymn, the worship leader, his drawing before him, strategically took his marker and placed a stroke here and he placed a stroke there, so much so that as those of us in the congregation now looked upon this work of art created as we sang the 90 and 9, we saw that no longer were we looking at a scenic backdrop of sheep and shepherds on the mountain. The work of art had been transformed into a sheep having been found carried upon the shoulders of the Good Shepherd. Now this remains a memorable and touching experience for me. It remains a cherished memory, even though this beloved hymn, The Ninety and Nine, does not accurately interpret the words of Jesus we shared this morning. Still, every one of us understands why this hymn tells us there were ninety and nine that safely lay in the shelter of the fold instead of accurately recalling the words of Jesus. I mean, is it not understandable that any of us would question the behavior of the shepherd of whom Jesus speaks? Do we remember? Jesus tells us a certain shepherd had 100 sheep. Seeing one of these sheep has wandered away, the shepherd goes to search for him. Now the searching for the lost one we understand. 
Once the shepherd has secured the safety of the other 99, once they are placed in the care of another shepherd perhaps, or once they are tucked within some enclosure, those are steps to be taken by this shepherd who looks for the lost sheep. So we understand the 99 telling us the shepherd of Jesus' parable in order to find the one out on the hills, far away, far off from the gates of gold, left the 99 safely lay in the shelter of the fold. We are slower to understand what the parable actually says. Jesus tells us the shepherd leaves 99 sheep where? In the wilderness, in order to find the lost one. Is this behavior we wish to set forth as an example, behavior to which we respond by saying, go and do likewise? That is to say, do we approve of risking the loss of 99 of anything in order to save but one? That's what's happening within this parable Jesus tells us. The shepherd leaves 99 sheep not in the safety of the fold, but in the wilderness to find one which is lost. So we understand why an old beloved hymn changes the story. Because we're not accustomed to blessing such risky behavior, we are those inclined to proceed with caution. It's our tendency to look before we leap. We believe there is wisdom to be found in playing it safe. We invest conservatively. And more often than not, we are rewarded in satisfying manner for such behavior. I remember going to the administrative board meetings of one of the first churches I served near the Chesapeake Bay. Each standing committee, as was custom, would make its report at the beginning of each of these meetings. This meant that Miss Catherine, the treasurer of the church, would faithfully offer the treasurer's report. Now this being before the days of computer-generated spreadsheets and accounting software, Miss Catherine very deliberately turned the pages of a spiral notebook in which she had carefully written her treasurer's report, and an impressive report it was. Miss Catherine would begin by reading a list of numbers, the balance of the church's checking account, perhaps, or the savings account, and to no one's surprise, such accounts were always well in the black. Turn the page, she'd start telling us of how some certificates of deposit were performing, and they always appeared to be performing well. Turn another page, there would be the report of some income from some rental property the church owned, and again, the property was managed well, providing welcome income to support the ministries of the church. As Miss Catherine finally concluded her report, there never failed to be a smattering of satisfied smiles on the faces of board members seated around the table. And why not? Why not take pride in tending to the funds of the church with such wisdom and care? Why not 
be pleased with being such careful stewards of funds entrusted to your care so as to support the ministries of the church. Certainly we find blessing from Holy Scripture for such faithful oversight of all God entrusts to our care. But we also understand this. A report such as the one regularly provided by Miss Catherine is a report not defined by risk, a report not inclined to slip into risk-taking. This is not a report which says, let's risk losing 99% of what we have in order to make 1% more. Leave the 99 safely in the fold? Yes. Risk leaving them in the wilderness? Never. Who would do such a thing? Well, who knew we gather in the presence of a God so inclined to take risk? And who knew that having found the one who was lost, God is so extravagant in celebrating the finding of this lost one? A shepherd calling to his neighbors, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. A woman calling together friends and neighbors, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin which was lost. This is a God who apparently tends to be a little less practical than us. This is also a God more inclined to celebration than we knew. I remember the day several years ago when I was home with our younger daughter Liz. She was perhaps three at the time, and Paula was running errands with our older daughter, Becca. As Liz played in her upstairs rooms, I worked elsewhere in the home. And at some point in the morning, I went upstairs to check on Liz. Didn't find her in her room. Well, thinking little of it, I went across the hall to her sister's room. Perhaps she was playing there. She was not playing there. Okay, I say to myself, trying to remain calm, she must have gone down to the family room with, without me simply hearing her. And she was not in the family room. Well, having basically run out of options inside of the house, I decided to check outside. I looked by the side of the house where there is a swing hanging from the tree there. Then I look in the backyard where there's a, a sandbox. No Liz. I frantically run back in the house, calling her name. I go back outside, look across the road from the front of the house toward a neighbor's farm. But certainly she should, couldn't have gotten that far in such a brief period of time. Running out of options in desperation, I go back inside the house, fearing I'm going to have to call those numbers nine. One, one. I make one final desperate search of the house. Is there any place I simply haven't looked? And climb the stairs again, look in her room, and she looks up at me, smiling. Now maybe she had just thought we were playing a big old game of hide-and-seek. Maybe she simply just had been where I was not looking when I was searching for her. Who knows? But what I do know is that having found 
the one I had lost while hugging her with all my might. All that had briefly come apart was put together again. And there was now brilliant light where there had been terrible darkness. And I could breathe again. Well, having shared these parables of Jesus today, I can't help but believe God's experience at having found the lost is similar to my experience at having found Liz. Look at these words again. He simply refuses to let any of us go. There is no giving up on the part of God. He will seek until he finds even the one who is lost. He will not stop short of finding the one who is lost. He will even take great and surprising risk in doing so. Having found the loss, he will throw the most extravagant of celebrations. Tom Long recalls having read many years ago an essay in, in which a woman was reminiscing about her father. She said that when she was young, she was very close to her father. The time she experienced this closeness the most was when they would have big family gatherings with all the aunts and uncles and cousins. At some point there, someone would pull out the old record player and put on polka records. Do you do polka, Joel? Jill? No, no polka. Don't ask Jill for polka records. But. Well, the family with these polka records playing would dance. And eventually someone would put on the beer barrel polka. And when the music of the beer barrel polka played, her father would come up to her, tap her on the shoulder, and say, I believe this is our dance. One time, though, when she was a teenager, and in one of those teenage moods, and the beer barrel polka began to play, and when her father tapped her on the shoulder and said, I believe this is our dance, she snapped at him. Don't touch me. Leave me alone. And her father turned away and never asked her to dance again. Our relationship was difficult all through my teen years, she wrote. When I would come home late from a date, my father would be sitting there in his chair, half asleep, wearing an old bathrobe, and I would snarl at him, what do you think you're doing? He would look at me with sad eyes and say, I was just waiting for you. When I went away to college, she wrote, I was so glad to get out of his house and away from him, and for years I never communicated with him. But as I grew older, I began to miss him. One day I decided to go to the next family gathering. And when I was there, someone put on the beer barrel polka. I drew a deep breath, walked over to my father, tapped him on the shoulder and said, 
I believe this is our dance. He turned toward me and said, I've been waiting on you. Was standing at the center of our life is the God who says to us, everything I have is yours. All that I am is for you. And I've been waiting on you. And I will seek you until I find you and will rejoice at your being found. Amen. We stand as we sing. standing as we affirm our faith with the statement of faith by the United Church of Canada. Number 883 in our hymnals also before us. We affirm our faith. 
We are not alone. We live in God's world. We believe in God who has created and is creating, who has come in Jesus, the Word made flesh, to reconcile and make new, who works in us and others by the Spirit. We trust in God. We are called to be the church, to celebrate God's presence, to love and serve others, to seek justice and resist evil, to proclaim Jesus crucified and risen, our judge and our hope in life, in death, in life beyond death. God is with us. We are not alone. Thanks be to God. Amen. And as we stand, we welcome one another as we pass the peace of Christ. Hit it. <laughs> What's that? Oh, you got beer barrel polka? No, no. We have an accordion somewhere. <laughs> Need to get one. <laughs> As we find our places, we will prepare to receive God's tithes and our offerings. Let us pray. Lord, we pray for daily bread. You give us an overabundance of all things. You give to us even your Son. You give to us your word at this time of worship and one another. Except we pray, but a portion of all you entrust to us, that it may bring glory to your name and blessing to your children. Amen. Thank you. 
I invite us to go to God as we pray, and to do so with the prayers of the people. We know the prayers of the people as a responsive time of prayer, in which I will name a series of petitions, concluding each petition with the words, Lord, in your mercy, inviting from you the response, hear our prayer, inviting you to name those concerns you would like to speak at this time of prayer as well. And then we conclude with the prayer Christ has taught us. We go to God as we pray. Lord, we know we are those inclined to stray, to pursue our own paths instead of the path you have set before us. Still, you speak to us good news this day, that you are a God who will love us without end and seek us until you find us. Lord, we thank you that you are such a loving, relentless, persistent God who refuses to let us go. We thank you that you are a God who exalts and takes great celebration in finding those who are lost. Stir us, Lord, to share in your celebration and stir us to have the heart that you have for those who are lost, that we may help them find you. We thank you, Lord, for finding us, for bringing us to this place of worship. Help us to know that we are only here because you have searched us, found us, and made us your own. Lord, in your mercy. And hear us, Lord, as we pray for the people of this congregation. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, in your mercy. Hear us, Lord, as we pray for those who suffer and to those in trouble. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, in your mercy. Hear us, Lord, as we pray for the concerns of this community. Lord, in your mercy. Hear us, Lord, as we pray for your world, its peoples, and its leaders. Lord, in your mercy. those recovering still from Hurricane Dorian. Lord, in your mercy. Hear us, Lord, we pray for your church, its leaders, its members, and its mission. Lord, in your mercy. For Bishop Lewis, Denise Bates, the Ministries of First Church,
Lord, in your mercy, and hear our prayers joined with those of your saints, whose voices are joined with ours, praying as Christ has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. We share our closing hymn. Let us stand. go now as a light into the dark places, letting our light shine for the sake of Christ, and knowing that we are those who have been found and eternally claimed by God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.